0: Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show.
1: Sorry about that, everybody. That was interesting. I got connected, got the show started, and then it said, we're having trouble with the connection to Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye, <laughs> <thought. laughs> and hung <bring> me up. <laughs> so welcome, everyone, welcome back. to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the dean and founder of Directions University at directionsuniversity.com and the co-founder of the all-new affiliate network for all niches, Divisio at D-U-V-I-S-I-O dot com. We have got a fantastic show lined up for everybody today. We have my co-host and co-founder in Divizio, Associate Dean at Directions University, Jack Humphrey. Hello, Jack.
2: Hello. I love that. that new extra thing, that new extra Divisio part. It just, now I sound credentialed and, and, and proper. And I've always wanted to be credentialed and proper. Oh, and it's
1: so exciting what we're doing with Divisio. We're going to have to have a whole show around it one of these days soon to tell everybody about the cool stuff that Divisio has
2: for them. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be, it is awesome. Yeah, definitely. We don't want to take Kurt's show though, because he 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 came so far to be here today. <laughs> he did, didn't he? <laughs> want me to give him a little introduction? We'll get started. That'd be awesome. All right, Kurt Scholey is with us today on Traffic Masters Radio. Kurt's been building and marketing websites for nearly twenty years, and that's before we even invented websites, I think. Some of Web Asylum's clients are well-known brands, and he's worked with hotels, eye doctors, public speakers, to name a few, and that really is just a few. He's focused on return on investment and blogs at website com. He has a new podcast coming out, and you can sign up to be notified at website com. Kurt is a private pilot, loves to cook, and donates his time to helping canine companions for independence, and he lives up there in the Chicago area. I did my best Pulaski voice there. Did that, did that work
0: for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound like a uh, Chicago born and bred right there. Uh, but it's an honor. It, it's an honor to be here today, and um, it's website ROI guy because I focus a lot on on ROI or return on investment. So, uh, but i uh, you know, you, you know, guys are I legendary. I am Chicago
1: born and bred, Kurt. All
0: right. Yep, so we need to. You got another I, I native am up there.
1: Chicago born and bred. And I don't really know that voice at all, Jack. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yeah, you didn't get down to the right pots of Chicago, I guess. Apparently
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> Where well, are that you was at all the generic Chicago? stuff.
0: I... What's that?
1: Where are you at in Chicago?
0: About forty miles west of the city, out near Aurora. Uh, oh, okay. I was. I was. My folks are still
1: up in Arlington Heights.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's that's a, a beautiful area. I was born in Elmhurst, and uh, we left in the third grade. My dad was uh, a teacher, and he accepted a job in Gary, Indiana, as a school principal, and eventually worked his way up to uh, being a principal and a superintendent. So we moved around a little bit. Uh, you know, in my formative years um, and uh, lived in a a number of places in the western suburbs, really, of of Chicago. Uh, But my radio career took me to Rockford, Illinois, Peoria, Cincinnati, Milwaukee. Um, So I've had the the pleasure of, of getting around a little bit, and I'd still like to maybe experience Texas and New Mexico and Colorado, all different kinds of places. that's the beauty of being in this business you know you can you can live just about anywhere, yep,
2: which is why I chose Richmond, Indiana, because I can live anywhere, and that's where I wanted to go. No, I was born here, so i I came back
0: <laughs> very exotic Richmond, place. Indiana Richmond, Indiana, Richmond Indiana,
2: it was <laughs> <is> the place
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't know I don't know how I should feel about you knowing that little tune but okay Yeah uh, yeah it's a wonderful place. You stop here between uh some place exciting and another place exciting if you need to uh, <laughs> eat at Cracker Barrel. So that's pretty much what we do here. Oh, you have a Cracker Barrel. That's fantastic. Yeah, we're old oh, man, we have a red lobster now. You we are big time. So, don't mess with Richmond. Or Texas. That's right. Yeah, I went, I went from Chicago to New Mexico um, in a blind terror, fleeing from the cold. And uh, once we had a winter that was so bad that uh, firemen were putting out a fire, and when they were done, they had icicles coming off their beards and their yeah. helmets and their noses. And I'm like, that's the kind of thing you step outside uh, right in Lincoln Park, right on the lake effect area, and uh, you just go right back in the house. I mean, you're already... Freezing by the time you get back in the house. It was so. We went to New Mexico from there. It was interesting that you brought up New Mexico.
0: Anyway, I'm, I'm always so you like the east, Southwest, and it's uh, oh yeah, it's, it's beautiful. That's it's, kind of nice, but I I want to move because I am just really getting tired of the winters. But we didn't get on here today to talk about the weather. <laughs> yeah,
2: why not? The radio is a lot cheaper now than it used to be, so we can afford to spend a little minute on weather if we want.
0: Well, that was all weather forecast,
2: right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what everybody thought my Friday traffic report was all about. They thought it was about the traffic and and weather and things like that. And I even put a little uh, helicopter uh, in the background on my uh, podcast back then <laughs> just to play is along with I- it because everybody was tuning in. Well, it's the Friday traffic report.
0: Well, and, that, and that's how I became aware of you. I used to love the Friday Traffic Report, and I was wondering the other day, how long has it been since that was on?
2: Oh man, uh, many podcasts ago. After that, I had website chats, and then uh, that's right. I moved Friday Traffic Report all over to jackhumphrey.com, dot uh, com, and now I do Traffic Masters. And boy, it was a lot of generations of ideas ago, but it was yeah. the beginning. I was one of the first internet marketers to to blog. And uh, and take Google at their word. Take care of your people, and we'll take care of you. And I was like, bull. And I'm I'll prove it. I'll take care of my people. You watch. And I took care of my people. I gave them the stuff they wanted, the content that they wanted. And Google did rank me very very well. And I'm like, hey guys, come over. And that's when a lot of the rest of the internet marketing community came over to blogging, as they were saying, I like my HTML and you know, my uh, front page design sites and everything else. Everybody was like, you're stupid for blogging. Only little girls do that to talk about their high school crushes. <laughs> you don't you blog. And then bloggers hated us because it, they were so vehemently altruistic with their content that they didn't make money then. And they didn't make money on purpose back then. They thought it was Counter to everything, you know, and people yep. who grew up with the Huffington Post and everything else can't even believe their, what what they're hearing.
0: <laughs> but that's, that's right. the
2: way it used to be.
0: No, so, I was a yeah. uh, a faithful listener back in the day. I uh, that's how I became aware of you.
2: Well, very cool. So we've been around a little while. What do you What are you most excited about today? I always do the introduction, and I'm like, Yeah, that's the stuff. That's okay. That's the background. But what are you working on right now? That Uh, you know, traffic stuff or website stuff or client work or whatever you're doing right now you're most excited about. Tell us about that.
0: Well, I've been in in business almost 20 years uh, after a fairly long career in radio. And a friend of mine at the Oldie Station in Chicago introduced me to the Internet back in about 1995, and he said, you know, this is going to be like radio 70 years ago. It's going to evolve. And he was absolutely right. Um, It has evolved, I mean, even just with the Web 2.0 stuff that's come around in the last, what, 12, 15 years, something like that. Um, And a lot of what I learned in radio actually kind of applies today because it's, it's still all about media. When I was in radio, one of my big goals was I wanted to own radio stations because I was pretty good at programming them to success. And then the Internet came along. And it, you know, really isn't – doesn't require the massive investment that it takes nowadays to have a broadcast facility, including, you know, antennas and FCC uh, cooperation and and all of that sort of thing. Um, But we did start out building websites. We started out very small. We got big in a a, a chamber of commerce here in, in Downers Grove, Illinois, and that led to a steady stream of work. Over a period of time, uh, we started doing bigger projects that my partner couldn't really handle, and I was partnering with another firm in in the Naperville area, and uh, he decided to go back into radio, and I really wanted to get very good at what does it take to have uh, successful websites, in part because I thought that was a key to selling websites. If I could prove to people that their investment in a new website would pay off, then I thought that gave me a slight edge for, um, you know, selling websites. And so I uh, got very involved with, you know, the the idea of of return on investment. I would say to people, you know, if I were you thinking about, you know, building a website, I would be asking myself the question, if I give this guy a dollar to build my website, when do I get my dollar back? And I think that's still true today regardless of, of who you are and where you are is is thinking about the return on investment. And I think that's a big mistake, frankly, that people uh, don't uh, make with their website, rather, um, is that they they really don't have a plan and they're not monitoring what they're doing and they're not uh, revising their strategy or their tactics based on the results that they get. And uh, so over the years, we've built a larger and larger uh, web. Uh, presence, They're building websites. We've done work for the Department of Veterans Affairs. We've done work for Sprint. We've done work for uh, the hospitality industry, for eye doctors, people like that. And um, But, the, you know, there's a lot of people who have smaller websites that really can't afford our services. And maybe coming from a an education background, I decided that I wanted to try and help people. So I've been speaking. I have... Uh, courses and products that I have sold you know to to try and help uh those people and i I enjoy working on that i mean i you know it's great to have a big client, but I think it's fun when uh you know you can reach out to somebody and help them out and they see a little bit of a benefit so what's going on today absolutely WordPress um, I think anybody can build a presence using WordPress. I really don't understand you know some of the other uh, web platforms that that people are using like Drupal and stuff like that I think you know there's some people who have been very successful with that but I think WordPress is loved by by Google it's easy to manage you got some great plugins and it's relatively inexpensive to build a, a web presence. so uh, I'm I'm kind of excited about about WordPress and making all the mid-sized uh, websites more profitable and easier to manage.
2: Well, I didn't. I may, correct me. I know you keep this keep up on this too. I think I saw something where WordPress just went over 60% of all of the websites that are CRMs that are database-driven, uh, easy to um, manage uh, websites. I think it went into 60%. Is that right? It's been over 50 for a while. I just didn't.
0: I don't it, know if I could believe it's funny. my It's cuz that's huge. It, it it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been revising or working on a product um and I had I was repurposing some content that said that now, you know, 50% or more websites nowadays are built on the WordPress platform and I was just thinking maybe the day before yesterday, I wonder what that number is now. So I believe you that that 60% is probably about right. Yeah. Well yeah and i
2: just uh, I just talked to somebody yesterday who uh, was looking at a Drupal site that was thinking about getting uh, uh looking to buy and was like, "What am I going to do with this site? It's a Drupal site, and should I change it and all that and I'm like, man, people are still running into places things like that i mean the The reason that it's so popular is because it's so popular, yeah. <laughs> which means that there's so many people that You know, if you want to go into developing something like plugins for WordPress or whatever, or for any site if you want to go into software, uh, and plugins become the thing, you'd be crazy to do it for anything else. You would never want to do it for Drupal or any of that, because their market share is declining so much. You're never going to get work, or you're never going to sell your add-ons and extensions and plugins. And uh, like you can at WordPress, they have all the developers' attention in the world. And... uh, and i you know and i have to go through that it's 20 almost 2016 you know half a year it's going to be 2016 and uh we still have to talk to people about stuff like that which amazes me and it's like what have i said over the years that have just gone completely over people's heads yeah. because i was over the wordpress debate uh 10 years ago literally 10 years ago i was and it didn't have the market share that it does now but I could see the writing on the wall. It was very, very clear. If anybody can come online and start publishing immediately and uh, do it completely themselves, they, they might not do a nice job. Their SEO for their site might be to- horrible, and their design might not be any better than the template that they installed. But they can install <laughs> WordPress. And then they came out with services like GoDaddy and everybody else where WordPress, you know, you just push, push a button, and it would just be loaded as your yeah. uh, default uh CMS. So, yeah, that's it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat to the, the worlds in
0: Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I don't I don't want to, you know, upset anybody by by saying it, but I mean there are a lot of people who think that just because they can log in and and build a website that that it's going to be successful and to your point you talked about the idea of of uh, SEO and, you know, content that's going to attract people and how do you yeah. uh, get people to actually uh, do uh, you know participate in some sort of call to action or goal that you have on the website or some funnel that you built? Um, I was working with a convention and visitors bureau in uh, Illinois a year or so ago, and I don't remember the numbers, but one of the things that they were talking about was they wanted to uh, get off a proprietary platform that they were on and into something else. And so they said, well, you know, what what percentage of websites are on? Uh, WordPress and i I don't remember, and and then Drupal and all the others, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but I did come across the same kinds of numbers that you were talking about uh that there is a good installed base that that WordPress is pretty well supported, and some of the others aren't and I know there's some people who are uh, really loyal to drupal and 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 that's great, but I just don't maybe I'm just not hanging out in the right neighborhoods, but I just don't see people talking about successful websites that are built on some of these other platforms. And uh, and that includes site builders. We can talk about that too if you want to. But I think uh, WordPress really uh, fits the needs for a lot of people.
2: And you have a very good point. Like Anybody can technically learn very quickly how to te- just set up a WordPress site, but then we didn't talk about success. Like, <laughs> success is a whole different thing the point is, for me at least, that you have a system set up and, and get expert help. Uh, if you've never done it before, ask yourself, why do I want to even take this little amount of time to learn to do this when I know that I'm going to have to get help after I get it set up or after I get it installed? It's still going to need somebody who's been around a while who can you know, cheat me forward to where I need to be right now. and I don't want to have to do the learning to... Set it all up, set up the SEO plugins, and set up all the other stuff, and make sure that it's done right. Because most people come online and start a business to do something that they're an expert at, you know, or sell products that uh, they want to sell, and they didn't come on to become programmers or uh, anything else. But I see so many people all these years, uh, you know, a, a lot of people <laughs> have come by that have. Uh, turned into that kind of person. Whatever business they thought they were going to do, they fell in love with. Um, they just had enough geek in them to fall in love with uh, the process itself and then going and helping other people. And I dare say that's an, exactly what happened to you, isn't it? Because it happened to me too.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. helping people. I, I and, and frankly, part of my motive is that I think selling products and courses and things uh, can be a revenue generator, so I'm really sort of transitioning from 100% of my income coming from building and marketing websites to doing more in the way of uh, coaching people and helping people and selling uh, products and services. There are a lot of people who think, okay, it's you know I can look at a YouTube video and figure things out. I remember uh, 15 years ago maybe somebody saying, uh, well we don't we don't need your services, Kurt, because after all, the vice president's son is coming home from college this summer, and he's going to build our oh, website. And Man, like, how many well, times have you heard that? this
2: "coming home from college" story? That is amazing. I keep it keeps coming up, but it's yeah, true. And I mean, it's, it's
3: still happening.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's
3: absolutely so. And I tell people all the time. I said, "Well, that's great because it has nothing to do with whether or not anyone's going to actually be able to access your information." and or contact you. My other favorite thing is how many people do you contact and they say something like, I've never sold anything off my website and then you try to explain to them that's because there's nothing to buy on their website.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there's there's
3: they you know, have not no something I figure
2: you're gonna have to explain but yet there it is. Yeah.
3: Mhm. Yeah. It's but very it, it's frustrating for them and for us because they really do not get that connection. Yeah. Even though yeah. they're smart business people, they really aren't making the connection that what they do in person has to happen on the website.
0: yeah, it's like I Absolutely. tell them if
3: you locked the door if you what if your front door only opened halfway, you know, and people or had a hard time getting in the all. front door right at all would <laughs> you fix that would you fix that you know? How fast yeah. would you fix that door? And they're like immediately. It's like that's well, kind of what's happening. Yeah, it's very hard to all... get. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Um, I was just going to yeah, say you, you see it in all forms of marketing, also, right? I was, I was at a, um, at a conference, a social media conference, and one of the well-respected guys in hospitality social media was presenting, and I was sitting at a big table in a in a, in a banquet hall at a, at a pretty big hotel. Uh, and there were uh, people from two different hotels, one to my left and one to my right, and the and the one gal was saying that um they outsource all of their social media. And I've seen a lot of social media that, you know, is is not good. But the thing that she said that I've repeated any number of times in some of my speaking presentations and stuff, she said she went on to say, but we could take it over if we wanted to because, after all, we have the passwords. And I'm like thinking, no, you you just don't understand. I mean, that's like me saying, you know, I'm, I'm pretty handy around the kitchen. I could serve dinner for 500 people in this banquet hall because, after all, I know how to turn on the oven. Yeah. And I Absolutely. Just, I, no disrespect to the do-it-yourselfers, but – yeah you know a pro job is a pro job yeah well and, luckily, and you know when to use
3: professionals as well don't you think that that's really a challenge is is how do you integrate the people in their company that can do stuff and and help people understand why they need to use professionals and when
0: i think sometimes that's a, a product of how much budget is available the smaller the client, and that's part of the reason I don't do websites for smaller clients anymore, is that they just don't have the capital that they need to do, that they need for a really good job. Uh, so I, if I can help them by doing group coaching or selling a product or something along those lines, then that then that's the way. But you know, I had a, a friend of mine, um, is a marketer, and and uh, he and I were talking a couple of years ago, and he said. Uh, you, you know, we're talking about business, and we're intimately aware of each other's business. And he said, I'm just going to focus on, on businesses that are doing 10 to $40 million a year, and I'm not going to really pay much attention to, you know, businesses and small corporations that do less than that. And, I, and so I talked to him uh, a month or so later, and I said, well, how's it working out for you? And he said, it's amazing. He said, you know, if I say, well, you know, that's going to be $7,000, that's going to be $3,000 a month, nobody bets an eye. And so, you know, you're earning more money for the same amount of hours probably, uh, and you've, you've got less price resistance. And I think any web developer or anybody who has a business, whether it's online or not, needs to be thinking about target personas and who are the people who are going to be most likely to buy your services but the other people who are not going to object to the price. So I think it's very important. You know, some people call them avatars. Some people call them target personas. But I think to have a very good understanding of of who your prospects are is is something that's very valuable and and something that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't do. So he did better. And then I remember talking to him a month or so later, and he said, you know what? He said, I'm just going to double the price of all my packages. So his two thousand dollar a month package became four. His uh, three thousand dollar package became six. And so we were talking several months later, and I said, "How'd that work out for you?" And he said, "Not one person, not one person, argued with me on the price or complained about about the price." I said, "That's fantastic." So you, in essence, just doubled your business by deciding what your packages were. He, he was he's always a big proponent of packages, so he would he would talk mm-hmm. about um you know what what you have to offer people and so he put together something that was obviously attractive to people and the people who would have been willing to to buy it for $2,000 a month, you know, were happy to buy it for $4,000 a month. I think there's a lesson there. Yeah. Well, there's also
2: a lesson to um people starting out in in you know if 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 you have any illusions about why a company wouldn't bat an eye and 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 it's really not business mature to say, well, it's because they're rich. It's because they're forty and sixty million dollar a year companies or whatever. You're missing the point if that's the only conclusion you draw from it. It's not that they're now spending money because they have it. Their company culture and every successful company's culture <clears throat> was not to first build the company to start making money. They you know, start yeah. building it and that's what every all the DIYers are like. I'm I'm building this thing so I can make $2,000 a month, $5,000, $20,000 a month. And it's not that. You don't jump from that to that. And that's why the failure rate is so extraordinarily high. This is good. I don't know where it's coming from, but somebody should be recording this. The reason that everybody fails is that they try to build the business to immediately be making their nut to make their income. And other successful businesses – built the first part of their business and enabled to them to hire more people, get more product, more stock, do all the things to grow the business so that then after that is when they start to profit, is when they start to build. And what I see when we talk about, you know, people's inability to understand why you would hire an expert, at these crucial moments in the in the someone's business development, right at the beginning, you're not raising that money that you're making right now to pay yourself, not a dime of it. You're raising that money to quickly parlay that into leverage, which is get experts over here, get experts over here, all the things you can't do, all the things you don't want to do, put people in place for all the processes, the systems, the infrastructure, the foundation. All of that stuff has to be paid for, and it doesn't just materialize after you make a million dollars. It is the thing that you need to make a million dollars. And a lot of people don't understand that, to to invest in their business, and they skip right over that to, hey, I'm making 2000 a month. I really hate what I'm doing, but I don't know how to get out of it. And it's like, well, who have you been working with? Well, nobody. I can't afford anybody. Dun-da-da, dun, dun, that's what your 2000 a month is for,
0: dude. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know why I so, agree many, with you so many people miss
2: that point. But you say and your friend going out and just being like, you know, I'll just go to people who already understand this. And that's important. I didn't say that people who already had a bunch of money to give me, although that's the way he couched it. What he also meant was people who already understand business. That's how they got to $40 million a, a year and up, is they understand business. And you know you don't have to have these conversations with them about why this is important for your business. They didn't bat an eye because they understand already why it's important for their business. There's so many clients out there to be had like that. And... Uh, it's 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 a different way to look at the whole problem of why so many people
0: fail when they're starting and out. we're not and we're not advocating that somebody go out and buy a ten thousand dollar website right now right if if, if oh, all no. you can afford is is a couple thousand dollars or whatever, then you know I understand that and and get it, but the point is that you're always growing bigger and like you were saying, reinvesting back into your business and figuring out how things work. I'll give you I'll give you a couple of examples of things when you were talking that I was thinking about is when I was in the, the Chamber of Commerce, I was the chair of the tech alliance and I saw people coming and going all the time. And there were a lot of guys who'd been workforce managed out of large companies like Tel Labs and and uh, Bell Labs and you know, some of the tech companies mm-hmm. along the I eighty eight corridor in the Chicago area and these were guys who said I can't find a job. Unfortunately, a lot of these guys were, you know, up there in their 50s or whatever. I can't find a job, so I'm going to start a company, and I'm going to, you know, in essence, work for myself. Well, that's sort of a recipe for disaster because, you know, you don't have an idea of how you're going to build the company, how you're going to price your services. Uh, what you have to do to comply maybe with state laws or registration with the state or something or other. And so we saw a lot of those guys who would sign up for the chamber because they thought that they could network and people would gladly hire them, and then they wouldn't renew after their one-year membership was up. In fact, I saw that. I I was actually on committees at a couple of different chambers in the Chicago area where we were talking about, um, you know, how how to retain members. I like that. And, and, you know, so it's unfortunate that those people fail, but those were people who had a job that didn't have to think about a lot of the things that the job owners uh, have to think about and have to manage. And so I think that had a lot to do probably with the lack of success. On the other hand, there were small business guys. I was our, our son goes to the University of Illinois, and we were driving back on the I-57 couple of months ago after visiting him for mom's weekend or whatever and uh it was interesting because at every little exit along i-57 most of the exits were very small towns right towns that look like they might have two three four thousand people in them and it was funny because you know those signs along the the side of the the highway where it says you know here are the gas stations that are at the next exit Mm -hmm. here are the hotels here are the restaurants and every single one of them it seemed like had a a listing for Monocle's pizza, and I was telling my wife I said There's a guy because Monocle's has been around since I was in college, and I said, there's mm-hmm. a guy who figured it out, and he figured out that he needed a market of a certain size, which is not unlike what we do in in on the web today, right He needed to be in a in a town that maybe let's say had four thousand people he needed he needed a a storefront with x thousand square feet. Let's say 1,500, right? He needed certain kinds of equipment to make the pizzas. He needed four or five uh, people to produce the pizzas. He he managed his um, recipes. He managed his ingredients, right, by, by all sourcing from the same place. So he probably got a little bit of a deal because he was buying for 27 locations, not just for one location. And I I, I said to my wife, you know, he just probably cut and paste the whole thing, you know, from one exit to another, and probably has somebody who drives up and down I-57 once a week, you know, to check in and see how things are going. But that's because they came up with something that was successful, and then they started repeating it. He was not in business for the last 20-some-odd, 30 years, whatever it is, uh, because he was that successful at his first or second location, right,
2: yeah, and I think the the illusion of uh you know what it takes on the web, and I've seen big companies have trouble with this too, you know everybody is sold the same sort of bill of goods it's a there's truth in it, and there's also an awful lot of assumptions built into it that uh people who aren't really thinking about it or don't have any experience with it can really get carried away with. There's a lot of stuff you can do very cheaply on the web. There's no doubt about that. Nobody's really debating that. Like we said earlier, you can build a website real quick on your own if you wanted to learn, and there's not that much of a learning curve anymore. You can do all the things and go through the motions that uh, uh, of the guy that you just talked about, the equivalent of that on the web, and have no success at all. And I think that's where a lot of people come in. They're like, are you kidding me? That costs $5,000? yeah. Well, the equivalent is if you owed a McDonald's and you had to buy a new uh, oven. Uh, Dude, that costs money. And this is no different. Just because it's a virtual world, we're playing with real money here and time, people's time and expertise. And it costs a McDonald's fryer. That's what it costs. And here's why. And people are still shocked because they were sold that bill of goods about how the Internet is supposed to be cheap and free and and everything else And, and the I can't understand how how that can be such a disconnect. I understand that offline you have hard costs. Uh, you know, and people can understand brick and mortar because we all grew up with it and this internet thing is still relatively new to human history and but how people make that giant leap to shock that things would cost money, like getting traffic or or whatever, still kind of baffles me. And here we are, it's again, it's almost 2016. <laughs> And we're still having these uh, discussions with certain people. It's it's odd.
0: You know, but I think they've been around for a while. I think that, that there are a lot of people who who have who don't maybe have a good idea of of what it takes. I mean, I'm sure Blacksmith went into business thinking, you know, this is fantastic. I'm going to work for myself, and for whatever reason, failed. Miserably, um, yeah. and, and I'm sure there are other blacksmiths who, who left employment to open their own businesses and succeeded famously, right? Maybe there were chains of blacksmith shops in the Old West. I don't know, but um, I think I think that's a big problem. Though, is that people really don't understand um, what they need to do to succeed properly. They don't realize the tools that are available, many of them for free. I mean, you can learn how to do just about anything you want to on youtube um, But then I think there are people who oh, yeah. who never really get started they have They have good intentions uh Lynn mm-hmm. Terry you know likes to talk about there's you know a time to learn and a time to earn and I think part of that was that she's just frustrated that, that some people spend all their time trying to soak up information. And they never go out and actually begin executing and and starting the process. And I I've seen that a lot myself.
2: Oh man, therein lies the you know, there's some more truth there too. I mean you can take full blown courses, you can take Ivy Leagues have free courses now. Uh you can take a Harvard designed and level uh class. You can have you have access to everything now, and that's really strange because it used to be a good excuse. Well, I didn't go to the right school or I didn't, you know, this, or I didn't that. Well, there are no of those excuses left. There's none of those left. <laughs> and here we are still. It's like, well, I think, I don't know if anybody's done a study recently, but it's probably around the same. It's still probably in the 90% where people start a business and then they're gone in two years. Um, cause I don't have any reason to believe that it's any different because what we're talking about is not level of access to information and uh, and very inexpensive ways to do things and 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 all of that because now that has been taken out of the the queue. It's there's no longer any barrier to anything at all. The only thing that's left is human nature, and that's not something we can program out of ourselves or we're just walking drones. So <laughs> it really comes down to that, right? It's a success mindset, and then now that's I think that's also why mindset stuff has taken off like crazy over the last ten years is there's so many people like me and you, uh, but when I, was, when I was doing Blog Success and Content Desk, I'm like, here it is. Here, is. here are the keys to the kingdom. Here's what you need to do to make great money on AdSense, when, which was a big thing back then. And sure. uh, here's how you make money as an affiliate. Here's how you make money as a product, info product seller, all that stuff. And I really, truly gave them everything I knew. And I gave them everything I knew that I had already used and that my buddies had already used and had been successful with and we did case studies on. So it wasn't theory. It was really bulletproof stuff. And most well, of my members, over 400 members in content desk, never went anywhere with it. They paid a lot of money to be there. And, and then the keys were given to them. And then most of them never did anything with it. It was amazingly baffling.
0: Yeah, I was just saying that that's that's amazing that that happens, and I I actually feel bad if I sell something to somebody, you know, a course or product and they don't use it. I feel like maybe I should give them a a refund or something, right? But mm-hmm. you you can't you can't. I don't think you can worry about stuff like that, and it isn't small stuff either. I was at a Glazer Kennedy Info Summit in Chicago uh, seven or eight years ago. And amazing to me that somebody would be speaking on the stage, and just before they stopped speaking, they would go out, and would staff would hand out these colored uh, pieces of paper that were order forms for whatever product the person was selling. And it was amazing to me how many people would be walking back, how many audience members would be walking back with one of those in their hand. And they were almost always very expensive. And so I remember sitting down, to have lunch and you know it was sort of one of these things where you pick up a brown bag and you go sit at a table and there might be six other people sitting at the table and so I struck up a conversation with a w- woman next to me and I said, Did you see whatever it was? And she said, Oh yeah she said in fact I bought that product last year. And I said, Really? And I I think it was a two thousand dollar product or twenty five hundred dollars maybe and I said, uh, really I said, How'd that work out well? How'd that work out for you? And she said, I don't know. It's it's sitting on my shelf in my office, yeah. and I'm thinking you invested twenty five hundred dollars and you never even she never even opened it up. She said it was still sealed in the thing. so that's wow. that to me is somebody who's not gonna succeed because they are not managing their assets properly. If you decide to invest in a product or in training or something along those lines, you should make sure that you have the time uh and the resources available to actually i think go through that. And that's whether you buy a twenty five hundred dollar product or a two hundred and fifty dollar product, or you're trying to learn something just by watching various YouTube channels. But people don't well, do have that. Obvi- yeah.
3: yeah, they've obviously have not worked with Jack and Gina. <laughs>
0: um,
2: well, and I, I also say that the, they—they're
3: uh, really good at 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 you know, like checking in to see how people are actually doing stuff which i got to say it's fairly rare as far as I'm concerned in terms of, you know, people that are selling programs
0: are Definitely usually most, right.
3: more interested in selling you the next program, kind of counting on you not doing the one that they're teaching.
2: Well, if I we, we aren't scared idea. of the answer. We're not scared <laughs> of them saying, I didn't get it done. We welcome it. We want to know yeah. if they didn't get it done so we can help them get it done. And it's usually the 800-pound gorilla in the room that everybody doesn't want to talk about because then the product owners or the consultants start to think people are going to think that their training or their consulting is bad, and it doesn't work. So we don't want to bring it up. We don't want to give everybody a little, hey, how's everybody doing? Fill out this form. Tell us where you are in the lessons. Tell us where you are in your progress. Because if everybody starts hearing that, and this is group coaching, right? So if everybody's invited to do that – uh, then they think it's going to reflect on them that people aren't getting their stuff done. We, on the other hand, we know that it's really – we know people struggle. We know what they really want to do, and and we know that everybody, including us, needs an accountability partner. <laughs> and so along with all of our consulting comes accountability. And we, and we started out that way, and everybody knows now it's human nature to get slowed down, to have life happen, all of that kind of stuff. But nobody's allowed to sit in the dark corner and hide from the, you know, some, the, the all-seeing eye of accountability, right? <laughs> Not in our group. You can't do that. And it helps people just know that, you know, t- to remember why they came in in the first place or why they bought a product in the first place.
0: Yep. The other thing I would
2: add to what you you were saying, Kurt, was if, if you're going to buy a product or a service. The question that you need to ask yourself over anything else, in my opinion, is am I willing to follow this blindly and not put any of my own creativity or imagination or twists or anything unless when that person says get creative or use your intuition here. But other than that, follow it completely blindly. And and, and there's your answer as to whether or not you need to buy that next product. You have to ask questions about what are you willing to do to make what this person is talking about a reality, yeah. and are they trustworthy enough that you feel like you could put a blindfold on and walk across a log over a dangerous river just following the sound of their voice. That sounds really, really overly dramatic, but that will cut down on millions and millions of dollars of wasted purchases. <laughs> if if a lot of people started doing that, then they would be honest with themselves right at the point of purchase and go, no. I'm not gonna do that. I don't feel it with this person. I don't feel it with this product that I would actually do that. I'm only to be honest, I'm only buying this out of curiosity or I'm only buying this because it I'm buying what it sounds like the outcome would be if I actually used it. Like when people buy lottery tickets. You know, they just keep buying them. They know they're never gonna win, but they wanna as they're holding that ticket in their pocket, feel what it's like. What if that number came up? What would I feel like? And it it's a good feeling and it's good for schools. So you know, it, and feeling good is what life is all about, so it's not necessarily a bad thing. But when that lottery ticket costs $2,500, that's when you run into problems. And you've got to ask yourself some pretty honest questions right then and there before you p- click that buy button. As a person well, who sells may- all of that stuff, it's pretty hard to say that because I want everybody to buy it, but I don't want people to buy
0: stuff and be miserable. Well, and, and so I think you know there are the hobbyists, and that's fine. Those are people who are really not serious about their business, or they're not being honest with themselves, and that that's something else. And whether what they spend on their hobby is another thing, but when I'm trying to help business owners, whether I mean I was in a mentorship program at the local chamber where I was I was helping people out, uh, I, you know I got a lot of uh, satisfaction from doing that, but I was also building my brand. So that's why when yeah. I'm teaching something, whether it's at a meetup or if I'm at a conference or, uh, you know, whatever, you know, I am concerned about following up with people and making sure that they have followed through. In part because I think that builds brand loyalty, right? If you if right. you are following people you know, who have written books or uh, have videos or a blog or a podcast or whatever, and you get some tangible benefits out of that, then you've built your brand and you've built your business. But all this leads to what you were talking about. Just as you were began talking about accountability partners, I was thinking about that because I think that's where a lot of people fail is that they don't do what they need to do. And... I've got an awesome accountability partner, and she kicks my butt, and that's fine. Uh And every now and then she'll say, oh, well, you know, I'm sorry, maybe you didn't want to hear that. And I say, no, 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 I just, you know, fire away. You're not going to offend me because you may have identified something that, you know, I really need to work on. And so Mm -hmm. I think all successful people will take, you know, some of that feedback. Uh, But I, I I really love your idea that an accountability partner can help get things uh and and to your benefit, and so a lot who are just doing it uh by themselves, that's part of them they're operating in a vacuum and also for these do your other things that I teach in my courses, even if you know Photoshop, don't do your own graphics use that knowledge to hire right. somebody who can who you know does it on a better on a, on a, on a on a uh, you know more regular basis, may have better skills than you have, but as a website manager, you really shouldn't be doing that. You should be bringing people in who are more capable than you are, who are going to give you an ROI and allow you to do the things like managing your company and, and being the, the big thinker, the big uh, planner, uh, and have some of these out. You know, very few people, you know, are as well as successful. Uh, as many of us would like to be, by doing it all themselves. If nothing else, 60, 70, 80 hours a week will will get to you in no time. So there's another reason why yeah. you know everybody I think should have a virtual assistant if if they don't have employees or you know if they don't have some sort of a relationship with a with a coach or a consultant or a JV partner or somebody along those lines. Yeah. So, well, Kurt, I, got, I I got to,
2: one question. I want to let Jan, she's got a couple of questions. But i got one big question I want to ask everybody when they come on the show. Right now, and you only get one, what is your favorite source of traffic? What's your favorite traffic source right now and why? Email. Um, um, email. Yep.
0: What the reason why what, what's is so that, great about email? It's
2: supposed to be dead, Kurt. You're, you didn't get the message?
0: <laughs> well, that's what everybody's saying, right? Probably people <laughs> who have other other uh things that are going on. I think you can build a great relationship and you can reach out to people on a one on one basis with with email um i I think you know building a list and segmenting it based on their interests uh is important uh it's It's probably my number one focus for this year wanting to build more in the way of email lists. There are a number of ways of doing that. If I had a second choice, it would probably be guest blog posting. Um, but I'd be interested in what you and Gina and Jan have to say.
2: I love that. Two old school things. I mean, guest blog posting isn't super old school. Email is the oldest of schools. That's the only way we had to market at one point. But, uh, yeah. I You know, we have a lot of favorites, but... I really love the idea that – or I've noticed this trend all these years that there will be a way to drive traffic and people will uh, go crazy about it. And then for a while, you got guys like me writing books about guest blogging, bending the web, that kind of stuff, and everybody's talking about it and everybody's doing it. And then somebody interjects this little thing, Google doesn't like guest blogging or something else. and Or people just get tired and bored or something and they're on to the next thing. shiny shiny object syndrome, but it didn't stop being a good thing. It never did stop. Email never stopped being a good thing. Guest blogging never stopped being a good thing. And, uh, And so I love that. I think that has a lot to do with why you're here and so many people you started with are gone because you don't give up on something. You watch your metrics. You're not dumb about it. You're not blind about it. You can see that if you do a guest post or an email, exactly what's going on because you set out to track it and you know what your results are. And, if, and, and you're not just basing it on sales or some other single metric, right? You're basing it on maybe my, uh, maybe my uh, call to action wasn't very good because I got a yep. lot of clicks, and they all went to the right places. So, and then you keep working at it. You don't give up and go, well, somebody in my updates folder or my promotions tab just said there's a new slick way of getting traffic from Pinterest. I want to go hop over here and start spending all my time on that. And uh, I think that has a lot to say about your longevity in the business.
0: Well, thank you for that. And I, but, but I think the approach, too, is, uh, and, you know, we had a couple of gals in our marketing department that, that studied a lot of this, worked with clients. And just because uh, email works for me or works for you doesn't mean that anybody listening to this radio program today is going to benefit from it. I think what you need to do is try a couple of things. Don't try five things at once. Try one, maybe two things and then keep trying to beat the results. Uh, you know, yeah. I, there there are some people who are apparently doing very, very well with Pinterest. I've dabbled in it a little bit. I hope to do better with it. Um, but, you know, some people are buying solo ads. Some people are buying banners. I mean, you know, banners all but died a, a couple of years ago, and, and they still don't have a great click-through rate, but at least you know some people are leveraging them, maybe even direct mail. Right? There are a lot of people who send out postcards and do very well. So I think if anybody wants to take away from this is try and figure out what a lot of people are doing, especially your competitors, and then pick one or two that, that you think you could do successfully and affordably and just start testing one or two things. But, you know, for somebody to yeah. say, oh, well, you know, I tried Facebook ads, it didn't work, you know, Facebook ads don't work, or sock that you know, that's yeah. I mean a lot of people are making them work. But so maybe you're not doing it right and maybe that is again a reason why you should have some kind of a partner or another supplier who's doing that for you.
1: I wanna jump in with my favorite thing as well. Traffic isn't really what I'm looking for. Well we need traffic, we only need traffic because we want conversion. What I really look for is conversion. And for me, that means doing integration marketing. It's a very specific kind of joint venture. But the conversions are so high from it that you don't need loads of traffic with it because you just get conversion. And to me, that's leverage. You don't have to work as hard that way.
0: So you're talking about warm traffic versus cold traffic. And I don't know if everybody on this call knows the difference, but bring up a very good point and that is what is the quality of the traffic that you are attracting what's the most purest
2: source so everybody goes out and gets water in a bottle and they read the label and it comes from the artesian wells of you know I mean they buy that stuff in the store all the time and then they go to their business and they drink out of a dirty toilet Uh, (laughs) that doesn't have anything in it right and it doesn't oh god Jan's going to have a heyday with that meme um but that's what people are doing all the time. When they come online, they're drinking out of that bottle of artesian water that's sourced from the most purest mountain streams, and then they're going out to their – they're just taking traffic from anywhere, and they're they are taking traffic for the sake of traffic. They're going out and just getting anybody and everybody because everybody in the world should be buying their product, right, <laughs> which is another thing. Well, I think we have a lot of cans of worms open there. We're just going to have to leave them open because Jan has a question, at least one question we can get in from Jan. Sorry, I was, monopolized all the time. Okay. To the
3: agent. That's all right. I got it. Because it's the same thing. It's it's the frustrating part to me is that these are smart business people or they wouldn't be in business ever. They would go out of business immediately. However, they somehow get online and act completely differently than they would in person. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, so, good point. They're Kurt, all in Vegas. yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it's really a, it's it's a like a an amnesic thing that happens. Um, so, Kurt, when we were talking, you had mentioned using meetups. Um, how is that working? Because I always love the blend of offline online because many many people use that.
0: Well, and I, and I was just interviewed by David Perdue over at NAMs uh, talking about networking with meetups. Um, That's something that I always wanted to try. Uh, A guy that I used to uh, go to a meetup never showed up half the time. He stepped down. I stepped up, uh, and I came up with a a solution that worked very well, in part because I I put together programming that I thought would be of interest to my target market, and and so they could see what was coming up on a monthly basis for the next three or four months. It has worked out well. Early on, my wife would say, "You know, is this really a good use of your time? I mean, how much money have you made?" And I hadn't made any, but it was it was good because I was using it as a as a laboratory or a course that I was putting together because I would I would present in essence a, a lesson from the course and it was giving me real time feedback. But then right, a woman said, "I need, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to pick your brain, and I buy you a beer and give you fifty bucks for an hour of your time," and I did. And then somebody else paid me four hundred dollars to do some stuff. And then somebody else paid me three fifty. And then there was there was a four thousand uh, dollar client in there and, at one point. And I, I've got another one uh, that just recently came came online that's that's worth uh, north of ten thousand um, dollars. So, but, but I've been working it right. I've been asking people, what do you like about this? I built up these meetups. I took another meetup over that was averaging 15 people a month, and we've had 40 or more attend some of these other meetups. So, again, you have to figure out what does your target audience want and give it to them and then give them an offer where they will say, you know, they say people will buy from you if they know you like you and trust you. Well, if you organize the meetup or even if you just attend and you do some networking, people are going to become aware of you, and it gives you an opportunity for a face-to-face um, face-to-face meeting. By the way, I had a, a networking expert on a meetup a month or so ago, and I blogged about it at website ROIGuy.com. Uh It's four or five blog posts back. But he had some really interesting stuff about uh, networking uh, that I had never heard of before, right? And I've been going to Chamber of Commerce meetings and stuff for 30 years or more. So if you go to websiteroiguide.com and, and look for the blog post on networking, I think you'll find some valuable stuff. There's also a link in there to another blog Who post was that guest, I wrote a years ago. What's that?
1: Who was the interview? Uh,
0: the, the guy's name is David Ritter. He's uh, with Network Chicago, and, and he's uh, doing a um, – there's a apparently like network Phoenix, I think is what it's based on. And he really liked the idea and he made a deal with the guy that he would, uh, prove, prove the concept in Chicago. And if it worked out, then they're going to go out and promote this to, you know, other metropolitan areas in the Chicago area. But, uh, David Ritter was there with, uh, an excellent presentation. And, um, uh, so I, I took extensive notes, and I told him that I was going to uh, blog about it. And the interesting thing is that he's he's linked to it from his newsletter. He has uh, talked about it in other forums and stuff. And, and so the traffic to that particular blog post uh, went went through the roof. And you can see it at websiteroiguide.com. Did that answer your question? Another Jim? great
1: traffic strategy
3: yeah that was also yeah. because you know Marion was talking about that as well about how she really built up a a following in person that translated into not only work for her but into some online um groups as well, so that was a great tie in thanks
1: and like I like to say, Kurt, you know networking in the long run, it really has been the number one biggest thing that, that has grown my business all the years I've been in business. But it's definitely not a make-money-quick kind of a strategy. It's a make-money-slow kind of a strategy. But in the end, if you use that along with some of the other things you've been sharing today, it really will build long-term stable growth and be much bigger than anything else I think you could do.
0: That's one of the points that David Ritter made was that sometimes it takes a little bit longer and that people should stay with it a little bit more. We're out of time, I know, and there's another story that I could tell maybe another time. Um, But also the idea of uh, being seen everywhere, right? Because some people aren't into face-to-face meetings or can't, but they see you on Google, they read your blog post, they listen to blog talk radio, they listen to your blog, uh, your podcast, or something along those lines. So we we were talking earlier about trying different things. Find something that suits your personality, but that will attract your target personas and the solutions that they're looking for.
1: That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Kurt. We really, what a great show. You guys did a great job. We will be back next week, same time, same place
0: for another you guys episode do a great of Traffic stuff.
1: Masters. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so thanks, much. Thanks, Kurt. Well, we'll be out talking about this for several days, to uh, several weeks. So thanks again. Bye, everybody. See you next week.
0: Bye-bye. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters, from traffic
2: to conversion
0: to business success.